Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, Trinity this morning. Indeed, this is what we're looking at uh, in this new series, new year. So glad to have you uh, with us. I can't think of a better place to be uh, to start 2022 than with you in this room and all of you online. Uh, welcome as well. I know our online community is a bit more because uh, we have some on vacation and others that are uh, maybe quarantining or other things for other purposes. So welcome uh, to everybody. Uh, I hope my jeans aren't throwing you off very much. Uh, I, I went to the store. This is all they had. And I, I, what I don't get is that they've taken fabric away, but now they're charging more. I, that, does that make any sense to you? So I didn't quite get a chance to get them patched up, but maybe next week, you know, I'll, I'll get it done before then. That is, unless I'm enjoying some air conditioning while I'm preaching, then I, I might just, you know, leave them like, okay, anyways, anyways, anyway, okay. So if you remember, like a few weeks ago, I told you a little bit about coming into January and, and kind of what that means for us as a, as a church. It really means stepping into uh, a, a number of things. Um, and uh, so like one of those is just like uh, administratively uh, working on some things in the office. And, uh, and so uh, here's what I know is that I used our church mailing list uh, for, you know, Tammy and I sending out Christmas cards. And so I know a number of you, one, didn't get my card, and so two, we got your wrong mailing address. So uh, if you can, for me, uh, you know, we mentioned the connection card, the connect card, I know, but uh, if you could uh, fill this out and uh, just give us all your pertinent information, because uh, we would really like through the month of January to just update our records so that we've got you know, phone and email and, and just all things right for you. It's not so that we can spam you and, you know, inconvenience you, but it's when we want and need, need to get a hold of you uh, that we've got the right stuff. And so if we could do that, we appreciate it so much so that we might be able to go through uh, and just, you know, get everything right uh, in the church office so that we can be, you know, communicating with you, um, you know, just, just in really great ways. Uh, the other is, um, so uh, one of the things that happened, 2016 General Conference. So that's when, you know, Wesleyan churches make decisions on like, a bigger level. And, and so one of those things that happened is that they instituted an annual renewal uh, for membership. Uh, and so when I got here, uh, it ends up uh, kind of in... What we, we have, oh boy, let's see. We got this book that's called The Discipline. I'll explain it later. Uh, we've got, you know, another book that's, uh, you know, kind of the rules uh, for our district. And so one of the things was is that this annual renewal would be in October. And so I kind of asked them, I said, look, you know, just coming in June, if I'm asking people, hey, you know, we need you to renew in October, I feel like a bit of an ogre, you know, and so can I do it in January? And they were like, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, so that's what we are doing. We're going to be reaching out to you and just seeing, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, everybody that we have on our rolls, you know, wants to renew. And so, and, and you know, if you're online, uh, you know, that it doesn't mean that you have to be physically here. You know, it's just if you want to be considered a member of Trinity Wesleyan Church, just let us know. And, uh, you know, we, we can take care of that. Um, we also, I'm going to talk about membership classes later, but um, for those that want to become members, but we're just going to be sending it out so that we kind of clean up all of our membership roles as well. It represents us well. You know, we're all here. 
we're all moving forward together. Uh, and so that'll be happening in January too. So I don't want that to throw you off in any way saying, what's this? I got to, you know, renew my, my membership. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of an annual thing that uh, we'll probably be doing, you know, like in every January, just reaching out to you. Well, if I know we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, but this is what we're getting started on. Uh, it's called Rise and Shine Breakthrough 2022. And so what we're looking to do for 21 days in the beginning of January, I, I don't want to throw you off. I know that it, it says January 1. You know, look at it. If you're just kind of easing in like, Pastor Christopher, you're lucky I'm here. I got it. Um, you know, if you need a few days to kind of, you know, ramp up to this. But, but consider taking 21 days and setting them aside for the Lord for a season of prayer and fasting in the church. There's many wonderful examples of this throughout Scripture. Um, one of the things I think of that just really hits my heart is there was a time when they, they were up against, you know, the, the Red Sea. And uh, what the Lord said uh, just before they, they were getting ready to cross, you know, the Lord says, send it throughout the camps, consecrate yourselves for the tomorrow the Lord is going to do something special. And that's what we're desiring to do is to take a season where we're just kind of setting aside ourselves and our lives uh, and we're saying, Lord, look, our eyes are on you and uh, we want you to lead us uh, into this new year. We would love for 2022 uh, to be a year that we look back on as a church and we just say, man, look at all the ways that God moved uh, in you know, our, uh, our church uh, in this past year. But I believe what we want to do is that we want to seek that in prayer and we want to come to the Lord. And uh, so we're going to be talking about touching base on this, you know, as we go. But uh, this will be in social media and you'd get it by email if we had your mail, email address. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it'll be on social media and then we put it together in this booklet too, uh, to help you to, uh, to enjoy that. So if you would turn in the scriptures uh, to Mark chapter 9. is where we're going to find ourselves, starting at verse uh, 14, uh, actually. And this is one of the scriptures, very, very interesting. Uh, it's in another place in scripture, Matthew 17. And to be honest, like, uh, translators over the years have had, they've had a little bit of heartburn uh, over this particular text. Because um, it's talking about prayer and fasting, and the kind of the way that Jesus leaves it and what he says towards the end, I think is just kind of like, for some scholars, been like, ugh, like this. But I'm hoping that by the end of this, you get it, you understand it, and you're, you know, you're totally fine uh, with what's, you know, taking place here and what Jesus has to share, because I think it's really, really important. So I'm probably going to touch base more on the text as we go through it, but then towards the end, probably read more of my manuscript, because there's just some things I really want you to know uh, from this text. But here we are, Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 14, and it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him, this is Jesus, of course, uh, and greeted him. And he asked their, the scribes, what are you discussing uh, with them? And so this text in Mark chapter 9, um, you know, kind of you might be asking like, well, what is the previous verses here? Well, they're really, really helpful. Uh, the previous verses are actually the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Uh, if you know, with Jesus and his disciples is that there's a lot of things he did with the 12, but then there's a few things that he did with three, uh, Peter, James, and John. They, they seem to be like a, an executive team, I guess, as a part of the disciples. And so Jesus tasked them to come up. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to kind of be transformed in front of them. Uh, and then, this is the Mount of Transfiguration, you have Elijah and you have Moses who now come and begin to commune with Jesus. So you can imagine Peter, James, and John are like, whoa, you know, like, I think we're getting a glimpse of heaven here. Like, this is amazing. This is, this is awesome. In fact, you can tell by one of them, you know, suggesting, you know, Lord, should we go get our tents and should we just tabernacle here, you know? Meaning, you know, should, can we just stay here for a while? So it must have been amazing and awesome. It, it must have been just like, just an, an incredible experience um, for Peter, James, and John. But here's what we see in, in this particular text is, as they're experiencing, you know, all of this, the disciples, the other disciples, the other nine are having a very different experience. <laughs> uh, what's going on with the, the other disciples is that, you know, they, they're doing some healing ministry, which isn't unusual. They've, they've done that, you know, a few times uh, in the past. Um, but what we're going to find out is that this is not going so well. Uh, so the disciples have a situation they're with. We're going to talk about that. But, but they're surrounded by this large crowd, probably looking for Jesus. Uh, and then these scribes who are discussing, but really the, the Greek is, is more argumentative, you know, that they're going back and forth. So you can imagine these other disciples who are, are they're trying to cast out this demon and it's not going well. They're surrounded by this large crowd and these scribes, you know, who are, uh, you know, arguing with them. <laughs> you can imagine the other disciples are like, um, where is Jesus, you know, <laughs> right? Like, you know, could he just kind of transport us out of here? <laughs> like, like, this is not a good, you know, situation. So Jesus comes and he's kindly greeted by the crowd, but he's asking the scribes, what are you discussing? What are you arguing about? And so it's very interesting that the, the scribes were those who were the keepers of the law. And so they knew the scripture very well. Um, they were ones who kept to the you know, text very, very closely. Um, and so we actually don't get kind of the argument articulated, whether you know, the scribes are kind of telling them that you're, you're doing something that you're, you're not supposed to be doing. Or the scribes are saying, you know, this is not working because of this. We're not exactly sure of the context. It's just, it's a very tense, intense situation. Um, and so Jesus comes and, uh, you know, uh, comes and right into the middle of it. And what's beautiful, you know, is that Jesus doesn't, this is really important, isn't it? That Jesus doesn't join the intensity. He doesn't jump in and start shouting and arguing. He just kind of wants to know the question, you know, like, what are you arguing about? Now, obviously, he's one that knows all hearts, doesn't he? So he probably knows exactly, you know, what, uh, the, you know, what they're talking about and where they're coming from uh, and all of it. And so, you know, Jesus says, you know, so what's up? You know, why are you arguing? It brings us to verse 17. Then one in the crowd answered and he said, 
Teacher, I brought you my son who had a mute spirit and whatever uh, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that you should cast it out. But they could not. <laughs> like, oh. So here's the issue, the presenting issue. Is this father's brought his son. Now, it, doesn't, it says in here, I, I brought him to you, but you were somewhere else. So <laughs> I came to the other guys. Um, but they can't, they can't do this. You know, it's just, it's uh, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're just, they're not able to, to cast it out. And it's really tough because it's not like they're in some like small house, right? They're, they're in the midst of a large crowd. And so I'm sure the disciples are like, why isn't this working? <laughs> Where is Jesus? <laughs> like, I know we've done this before, but what's the matter this time? And why does it have to be in the midst of all these people? And why do these scribes have to be all over us right now? And so this is what's going on. And so the father comes and explains this to Jesus. Like, we really need some help here. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus, of course, you know, he's always planning and, and, and taking things in the certain direction that, that he wants to take them, typically so he can teach and teach as many uh, as he can. And so we pick it up in verse 19. It says he answered him and he said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so here you have these disciples who can't take care of this, this demon, this evil spirit. And, you know, this is Jesus' reply. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you. <laughs> Bring him to me. Now, the question is, when Jesus says this, who is that directed towards? Now, you might immediately think it's the disciples, but I, I don't think it really is the disciples, because um, I see how Jesus deals with them so graciously later. You know, I don't think it's necessarily the disciples. You might think, is it the father who's bringing the son? Well, I don't think that Jesus, you know, words here, you know, direct teaching, <laughs> a bit of exasperation is not directed to the father because at least he's brought the son. Is it directed to the scribes? Yeah, maybe. You know, they're ones that are sitting there casting dispersion and doubts at the disciples, making the whole thing a bit more difficult. And then finally, the crowd. I, I would level to you. I mean, I'd love for you to study this and give me your feedback on it, but I think it's probably just for the greater crowd, you know, to, to help them to understand something. Is that really, 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 really important? Is the role of our faith in our Christian life. 
You see, Jesus has been for a while. He's been there, and he's been teaching. But he has one real concern in this moment, and that is why it seems like so many are just so faithless in this generation, in the crowd and in the people. Where is the faith? Now, this is really, really important. Because if you remember, when we were talking about back in the fall, we were going through the Gospel of John, and we were talking about the miracles. And we'd often see that Jesus would have a question that was kind of related around the person and their life. And oftentimes what Jesus was prodding at was the level of faith that that person had in what was about to happen. You know? Like, it's one thing to know Jesus is a miracle worker. It's another thing to live a life of faith that helps to show everybody who we come in contact that we believe he's a miracle worker. You see, I think we can be Christians but still kind of only hold just a little bit of faith. You see, one of the most dangerous things I think can happen is that we can make Christianity more of like a thing that's a culture. What I mean by that is that, you know, I, you know, coming to church, first time I ever stepped in was like as a, as a later teen, right? And, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm watching and I'm in a Baptist church that caught a charismatic spirit, like, you know, so I don't know. Was, was, uh, anyways, uh, so I'm there and, uh, you know, begin worshiping and, you know, and, and people are doing all these things with their, their hands and their bodies and I'm looking around like, what is happening here, you know, <laughs> like, wow, you know, like this, you know, the place just went boom like this, you know, and, and all of this is, is going on, and, and you know, and, and I'm watching people, like, you know, greet each other, and what they say to each other, and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know what can happen to us? Is that we can actually come to church and put it on a pretty big autopilot, and just kind of say the things that we say and do the things that we do. And even when it comes time to worship and interacting with each other, when it comes to the message, just kind of do the same things, the, the acceptable practices, you know, of our gathering on a Sunday morning. And we can do this over and over and over again and have very little impact upon our faith. You see, I think what Jesus wants for all of us is for our faith to grow and our faith to grow and our faith to grow. But here's the thing. Faith grows oftentimes when we trust him in ways that we've not trusted before and he comes through. And then he calls us to more trust and then watch him come through. 
You see, what we can do is we want to be really careful. And that's why I think this helps us to make 2022 like a year like never before. Is that we wouldn't give in to that sense of being an autopilot, just kind of going through the motions with our faith. But in this year, is there some place that God is calling you to trust like you never have before? You know, a lot of times what God will do, if you, if you think when we go through our walk, he'll give us an opportunity. And then if we don't take it, he is so good. He'll be patient for a while and then he'll bring us right back to that place until we'll say yes. And so I believe 2022 is going to have some of these opportunities for you to step out and trust God like you never have before. And if you'll say yes, just watch what he's going to do. And so Jesus has this pretty strong response about a faithless generation. And we want to watch him build our faith. We don't want to be considered a part of that faithless generation who just goes through the motion, but rather we're moving forward with God. So then verse 2020, or I'm sorry, 2021, listen, listen to me. Verse 21, so he asked his, this, this father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him into, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine this father who's watched this son go through this over and over and over to experience this torment and not been able to help him? He's probably tried a number of other things. He's probably tried some other prayer meetings and some other teachers. And he just wants Jesus to touch him. And you could tell, like, like, how evil is the Spirit? Do you, do you see what the Spirit does is that it throws the child into fire uh, and then into water? I mean, that, that's why I say, like, like, please, please don't, like, mess around or, or play with uh, any of that kind of stuff. You don't want any of this in your life. I mean, these spirits are evil. They are directly from Satan, right? Who, who is, what he does, he, he steals, kills, and destroys from John chapter 10, this is just what the evil spirits do. I mean, throwing this kid into fire and then into water, who takes delight in that? Terrible, awful thing. But do you hear the father here? <laughs> but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Man, what a great question, right? What a great request. Jesus, might you have compassion on us? Now, I want to think about that question for a moment. Because the easy Sunday school answer is yes. <laughs> right? Jesus has compassion. And so he is going to do something. But let me, let me tell you, but I, I wrote down just a few things about this. You know, why is it that Jesus is going to move? Why is it that he has moved with compassion? Well, number one, it's that God is the creator of this young boy. 
And he specializes in miracles when things have gone wrong to make them right. Jesus is going to have compassion on this boy because he knows that this is not right and this can be fixed right now. Secondly, <laughs> I think Jesus, you know, sometimes in these moments, I don't know, you know, is he, does he play like Eye of the Tiger or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I always do. Like when I have a tough meeting or something, you know, I just, I put in Eye of the Tiger in the car and go for a drive, you know, then I'm, then I'm ready for it. You know, okay, he doesn't. But anyways, um, you know, but, but Jesus, you know, he's got to be in this moment. Like, yeah, let's, let's bring this on. Like, yeah, I understand the disciples are struggling with this, but, you know, in part, this is why I came. Because this stuff is terrible, this is awful, and this should not be. And so Jesus is going to have compassion uh, in this moment. Um, I think the other thing that we know is that Jesus looks upon this boy and looks upon this father. And he has a very, very deep love for them. And he understands what they've been going through. And so, he's going to touch him. Now, isn't it interesting? <laughs> Jesus then says to him in verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And here's what Jesus is saying. I, I know that a lot of times in our society and, you know, way things are, a lot of times what we like to say is that we have to see it to believe it. And I'm telling you, in God's economy, in God's way of working, you have to believe before you can see it. You have to believe before you can see it. And so it's just so important that we posture, write our hearts in this way, that we have expectation for what God wants to do, can do, and will do in our lives individually and corporately. Jesus says, boy, if you can believe, there's nothing that is impossible. <laughs> and so the miracle happening is not so much based on the power of God, but it's based on this Father's chance to say, Jesus, this is what I know, this is what I know, this is what I know. Jesus, you can heal my son. And so those things working together, God's power and our faith, is what makes the miraculous happen. And then the father says, right? Well, Lord, here it is. I believe, but can you help my unbelief? <laughs> Isn't that great? Like the father doesn't come to Jesus and say, oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yep, I'm, I'm with you, Jesus, you know. Like, it's like, you know, Jesus knows my heart, so I might as well say it, you know. And so isn't it great that, you know, Jesus still does the miracle, even though the Father comes to him and says, well, 
I can muster about 60% today, but the other 40% I'm not so sure about, you know? And Jesus says, yeah, that's good enough, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's why, you know, like I, I kind of mentioned before, like, like don't be afraid to be honest with God because he knows and he hears and he sees everything anyways. So don't say, like, Jesus, I'm 100%. But if you can say today, I'm 50%, but you know what? I want to work on that other 50%. God says, all right, then let's do it, and let's do it together. Verse 25, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And so what we take from this is that these evil spirits, Jesus is in command and has authority over them all. In fact, you know, you know, getting through these things, experiencing breakthrough in our life is not on our power and our authority. It's on Jesus. That's why we've got to get connected to him because it's what he is able to do. And so Jesus says it and it comes out. Now, isn't it interesting? I command you to come out and enter him no more, <laughs> right? Jesus says, evil spirit, you're going to come out and when I turn my back, you're not going back in. <laughs> nope. You are done with this boy. He is healed completely, 100%. And then it says, you see it? He became as one dead, so much so that some people are saying he is dead, you know? You know what this is? That in this moment, there is such a peace that comes over this boy that he probably lays on the ground just like this. But he is not dead. He is finally, finally at peace. He is finally, finally made whole. And so Jesus goes over and invites him up and, you know, he begins to walk. Amazing. Verse 28, and when he come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to ask him like as a group, like, you know, let's just kind of take care of this over here, okay? Uh, hey, Jesus, we got a question. <laughs> Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And I so appreciate it. You know, they kind of pulled Jesus aside privately. But he has no blame and no shame for the disciples. He says, well, with these, it's a little bit different. It takes a little bit more. And with these, they happen with prayer and fasting. And so this is where I want to just kind of come a little bit more to my um, notes here. Because prayer, prayer and fasting 
we can see from this text is something that works together to accomplish amazing things in the life of a believer. And so let me just say a few things. Why fasting? Why fasting? Why would Jesus' response be prayer and fasting? Well, you see, there's a way that fasting uh, intensifies our seeking after God. See, in fasting, fasting um, kind of presents these vertical solutions to the horizontal problems in our lives. Fasting would help us to break a yoke of bondage. Fasting releases God's power and brings supernatural results. Fasting is something that brings divine wisdoms to life's perplexing problems. Fasting has a way of humbling our hearts and recalibrating our lives that allow us to walk in a renewed purpose and a greater awareness of God's presence. Fasting brings about supernatural protection and miraculous provision. Fasting allows us to walk in a greater degree of God's favor. Fasting brings heaven's victories and hell's defeats in our lives. And so that is why we are considering for 21 days to entering in to a practice of prayer and fasting. Now, fasting is often associated, nearly all the time associated with food uh, in the Bible. And so let me share you something of that. Um, is that what I'm thinking of fasting is that I'm asking us to kind of look at something in our lives. Uh, actually, can we look at something that's really competing with God in our lives? Can we look at something that is approaching that like uh, idolatry category for us? Is there there's something that's really distracting us from God's purposes that maybe we could set it aside and just really focus on God and, uh, you know, move forward with Him. And, and so, you know, I, I, I want to give you, give you permission that, uh, well, if you do, you want to connect it with food in some kind of way, um, I applaud you in that. I just want you to be really careful, especially if you have, like, medical considerations. Uh, I, you know, really prefer you do that with your doctor. But if, you, you know, you're somebody that's, you know, like medically it's not really there, but I'd like to maybe try a meal, you know, or, or a day or something like that, you know, maybe really, really good. Uh, I had a friend of mine who, when we would call 30-day fasts, he would fast all 30 days, but he took 10 years to build to that point, and he knew how to do it really well. So, so that's why, you know, if this is, you know, kind of newer to us, that's what I'm saying. Just, just kind of giving something over to God and saying, you know, Lord, I just want to take this and I just want to surrender it to you. And what happens in this moment is that, you know, I, I was, you know, I'm too, I'm, I'm just working this out. And one of the things that happened was I, I was journaling just this week and, and I said, why don't I fast more in my life? And then I wrote right after it, I have too much pride to fast more in my life. I was like, oh, man. <sighs> That's probably right. <laughs> you know, and, and it does. It, see, it, it takes some humility to fast. 
and to give something up to God. But, but see, when we do it, do you see how it postures our heart for more? Let me say this too, is that what I'm not seeking this morning is to unduly burden you. Because maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Pastor Christopher, I already struggle with my prayer life and now, you know, as you're talking, I, I, I don't fast or I, you know, I haven't in a long time. It's not a regular practice. And now I feel like twice as guilty. Like that's totally not what I'm going after here. Here's what I'm trying to say. Is that what the scripture is saying here to us is that if there's something in your life where you need breakthrough, then why not give prayer and fasting a try? Is there something in your life that you've been dealing with for a really long time? And you want victory here and you just can't get it. Maybe prayer and fasting unlocks the key. Or maybe there's just a relationship that has been broken for a long time and you've tried a number of different things. I don't know. Maybe try some prayer and some fasting. Maybe there's an addiction that just keeps winning. Maybe try some prayer and fasting. You see, I don't think Jesus said these are, you know, these are cast out with prayer and fasting because he, you know, he wanted to bring shame upon the disciples. All he's saying here is that I'm just saying like, like sometimes when you really need a breakthrough, then a time of fasting is really important and super helpful. If you just give it a try, if you've got like some real bondage or a real stronghold? What if that's what you brought to God and what you experienced over these 21 days is a breakthrough in your spiritual life? Does that sound good? No, not really. Does that sound good? What do you think? I mean, I think God can do it. But it'll be up to us and what we bring to him and listen, if there's nothing, I, I kind of doubt it, but if, if there's nothing in your life personally, would you do it for us corporately? That we might just collectively set our hearts and lives consecrated, set them aside for God's purpose and say, God, would you give us a season where you move in ways that are only explained by you moving, right? Not by us and what we can do and what we can muster. But God, would you give us a season and some days that we just come to church and we just shake our heads like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Because I'm telling you, that's what we're going for corporately. And so you can add to that, you know, personally, but if you join me in this, I just so, so appreciate it. I do want to say this too. I know I got to move on here. Sorry. Um, is that if you are somebody here that is in need of a breakthrough, you, you just, you have something that you want God 
to do a prayer that you desperately want answered, it does not mean that you're a bad Christian. It means that you are human. So I want you to hear that today. That if you need breakthrough, it's not because you're some kind of awful person, bad Christian, you know, you're just not getting it right. It just means you're human and you're looking for God to give you some divine answers to some big problems in your life. And so what we're seeking is, is that over these next 21 days, kind of sharing this together, or I should say this, is that even if this has taken you a few days to kind of put in place, here's the thing. I know we've got January 1st, 2nd. Don't get thrown off by that. If you need some days to kind of pray about this, to really put it together, you know, like I would just say like in the month of January, mostly in the month of January, join us in this. Um, and, uh, you know, what we'll share in this together, kind of journey together in this coming month. If you're ready, get started now, you know, and go for it. But, you know, if not, we totally understand, you know, just ramp up maybe in the next few days as you kind of journal things out to God and say, God, this is what I want to fast. That's what I'd like you to do. I want you to write down a, 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 consecrate, um, um, a concentrated fast, just to focus, to say, Lord, in 21 days, I'm just going to, I'm going to give this up now. Now, it's not, you can't give up your kids or your marriage, something like this, okay? Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, it's just, 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 you know, something that you, you feel that would help you to seek God better, to, to come into focus a bit more. Something that would be able to, that God would be able to reveal himself just a little bit more to you, because that's what he wants to do. And then the other part of it, what you would fast. And then the other one is, what are you seeking breakthrough where are you seeking breakthrough? I want you to write that down, even if it's hard. But where are you seeking breakthrough? Like, where are you seeking victory where there's always been defeat? Where are you seeking light that has always been foggy and dark? And you'd like for God to break through. So we're going to spend a few weeks together doing that. Now, you might think it ironic that we would share in Holy Communion in such a moment. But actually, actually, the Christian life as God's designed it, and, and as we watch it kind of in the Old Testament, God's interaction with people, is that God's people, their lives, have always been cycles of fasting and of feasting. And so here's the thing, like, fasting is often a season where we just concentrate on God just a little bit more. And the reason that we do it is because, you know what, we're all headed for a feast. Have I told you one of the most meaningful times in my spiritual life has been at a place called... Um, Sight and Sound. Anybody heard of it? I'm, I'm a lot closer here now, am I? Um, but we, we really, you know, we, we brought the boys strategically to a few of those just, just to watch the Bible kind of be unfolded and, you know, be seen on stage. And we went to In the Beginning, and that was awesome, you know, watching Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and, and kind of all of that story. 
But what I was not ready for, ah, let me see if I can get through it here. Um, at the very end, uh, the curtains open up, and there's Jesus who's just gone through the cross and the, the resurrection. Sorry. And there's Jesus, like, with these open arms, with the most amazing table behind him. And uh, the people just start running on stage. And Jesus starts, you know, greeting them with open arms. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm so looking forward to that day. <laughs> when we will all come around the table and experience the, the wedding meal with the bride. And we'll all sit there with Jesus in this most amazing meal. And we know that ever since he instituted communion, I think he was thinking about that meal. And he wanted to just give us just a little bit of a taste of that. And so let's do this together, shall we? As you open up the top part and reveal the wafer. We know that when Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And so, so often as you, you get together, I want you to take and eat and remember me. So let us in this moment remember the broken body of Christ and that moment that we will all come around the table together for the most amazing feast. Jesus says we take this bread. We don't do it lightly, but we ask, oh God, that you would just move in our hearts and our lives today. Lord, we're praying for breakthrough, corporately, individually. God, we want to see you move in this new year like you never have before in our lives. And Lord, we remember you and your great sacrifice for us that means forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. Let us partake together. And then after the meal, he took the cup. It was a cup that they had not touched yet because it was the Messiah cup. And Jesus went for it. And so if the disciples had any doubt, they knew in that moment, Jesus was saying, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for. I'm the one who has come. And my blood is about to be shed for the forgiveness of sins and to give you the gift of eternal life. And so, Lord, as we take the cup and we partake, Lord, we realize this isn't going to quench any kind of thirst if we have it in the moment. But, Lord, this is about remembering, remembering your great sacrifice, remembering your great love, remembering your great compassion, that you extend to all of us. And God, we are so grateful. By your stripes, we are healed, Lord God. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Let us partake together.